0: Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities.
1: Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 92. Today, I'll be interviewing Jasmine Simon. Jasmine Simon is an actor, activist, and mother. Raised in Northern California, Jasmine began pursuing acting during college at the University of Nevada. She later moved to Chicago and joined improv troupe Second City. Jasmine rose to fame on HBO's hit dramedy, Baller, starring Iraq. On the big screen, she starred in Tyler Perry's Acrimony, among many other films. Most recently, Jasmine appeared in the Netflix series Raising Dion, which has been renewed for a second season. Jasmine lives in LA with her husband, actor Dule Hill, and their two children. This is her first book. Um, and I'm going to have um, Jasmine's Instagram so you can connect with her that way. But today, I'm really excited for her to talk about her first children's book which is called Most Perfect You. And you can't see it because this is just audio. <laughs> but if you look on my website or you look anywhere else, it's just the most gorgeous cover um, and beautiful artwork and beautiful stories. So thank you so much for being on here today,
0: Jasmine, because thank it's you for having me, such Rebecca. a pleasure. It really I'm is. I'm so happy to be here with you and talk about my baby book.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you have like, so you have such a nice story behind it. So let's start with that and how, you know, just what inspired you to write this book, My Most Perfect You. And, um, just, yeah, like what, because you've never, cause this
0: is your first children's book. So just this is my first children's book will not be my last because it was such a wonderful process and it was so fulfilling and it sparked a joy that I didn't know that needed sparking. And so now I think I got the children's book bug. So more to come on that. But this book was inspired by a conversation that I had with my daughter, Kennedy. She's 17 years old now, a senior in high school, about to go off to college in a couple months, cue tears. Um, but when she was about three years old, we were riding in the car and from the back seat, she says to me, mommy, I want to be pretty. I need my skin to be lighter. And it was like a gut punch that she didn't think that she was pretty just the way she was. And so I say to her, well, Kennedy, I'm sorry that you feel that way. But when you were in my belly, I had a conversation with God. And I said that I wanted you to be my favorite color. And my favorite color in the whole wide world is the color of your skin. So that's why you're that color. And I'm really sorry that you don't think that it's pretty. And she stopped for a second three-year-old mind was moving. And then she said, okay. And I never heard about it again. And funny enough, um, I think maybe like eight months ago, cause she's, she's a senior in high school getting ready to go off to college. And we have a very, very close relationship. I said, if there was anything, we're sitting down. I said, Kennedy, tell me if there's anything about yourself that you would change. And she's six feet tall. She has a size 12 shoe. You know, she's a tall woman. And she looked at me and she thought for a second, very thoughtfully, she said, no, there's nothing that I would change about myself. And I thought to myself, you've done a good job because you have instilled in her that she is perfect just the way that she is. So rewind to um, summer of 2020 and we saw the murder of George Floyd on TV. It was a global pandemic. So everybody was in the house, right? Everybody's in front of their TV all day. And I had a one-year-old at the time, my son, Levi, he's turning three soon, but at the time he had just turned one. And we watched this man get murdered on TV on repeat over and over and over. And I thought back to Kennedy when she was a little girl and how she didn't think that she was pretty based on what she had seen in the world. And I thought, oh my God, the little kids that are watching TV because everybody's home. What are they going to think about themselves? What is my son going to see and then internalize about himself? And I turned to my husband, Dulay, and I said, "The world is filled with so much hurt. I need to fill this world with a little more kindness." I should write a children's book, and he said, "Go do it." And I went downstairs and I wrote Most Perfect You because I wanted children to know, regardless of what they see on TV, regardless to what they see on sh- social media, yeah. regardless to what anybody else looks like or what they do that they are absolutely perfect, that they are specially and specifically made on purpose to walk this earth and that they are absolutely perfect. And so that's what inspired me to write the book. So I sat down and I wrote it because I really, you know, you mentioned before we, we started this interview that, you know, you love to talk and through the internet, me and you can do that. You can be where you're at. I can be where I'm at. And we could do this podcast and we could talk about beautiful books. And so the internet is so positive in that way. It connects the dots for people. But in some ways, for a young mind, you get on the internet and you see unattainable things. You see people that look picture perfect. You see bodies that look perfect. You see what society considers beautiful. And you compare yourself to that, not knowing that that person has a filter, plastic surgery, fillers, a stylist, a makeup artist, a hairdresser. A seven-year-old doesn't understand all that. They just know, oh my gosh, this is what's considered perfect. And if I don't look like that, maybe I'm not perfect. I want every child and parent reading this book to know that you are perfect, that you are on purpose, that you have something to offer this world. And I want everyone, when they're finished reading the book, to to look at themselves and see them as they truly are. Every unique quality was thought of for you. And so long story short, that's how I came up with this book. (laughs) Yeah, no,
1: I I love that. And I I think it's just also not young kids. I mean, I also think just adults. Yep. I mean, there are people my age that need this book. (laughs) So, I mean, that's the thing. I think that it's just, it's very hard in today's world, especially with social media, like with the, Comparing, for sure, um, and I think also like one of the things I always think about is as parents, as models for our kids, that we because if we're always putting ourselves down, then kids are also not going to see themselves as you know as let's say the perfect you, you know the you know the yeah. kind of way that you should be, and yeah. um, that's one thing. Just you know, as a woman having a daughter, like I, I think about it a lot because. I don't want to ever, um, her to see me like that, that I don't feel good about myself. Cause I think that comes down to the kids.
0: And here's the thing, your daughter, without saying it, thinks that you're perfect. You are her mother. You are the person that has been the closest to her from the moment of her conception. Right. And so without her saying you are perfect, she does think that you're perfect. So then as her mother, when you're saying, oh, I need to do this. I don't like this. I don't like this then she questions everything about herself too, subconsciously, right? Because yeah. she's like, this person mm-hmm. is perfect. And I think that they're perfect, but they don't think they're perfect. And if they're not perfect, how am I not perfect? I've had to like retrain. You know, there's no manual for motherhood, right? There's just, yeah. there isn't. So we, we do, it, do it all on the fly and we try to make the right choices. But I remember maybe around the same age when she was about three, I had to tell myself, Because, you know, we all have moments. Oh, I'm bloated. I got cramps. My hair is ugly. I said, do not do that around her. Do not do it. Because she is going to model that behavior. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, And, and as people, like you said, this book is for everybody. As people, we sometimes don't like the things about ourselves. But we have to ask ourselves and challenge that thought. Why don't we like that about ourselves? It's because, like you said, it's comparison. And comparison is the thief of joy. If I compare myself to somebody else, I will always fall short. But then there is somebody that's compared themselves to me, unbeknownst to me, Yeah, you know? So it's like a constant cycle. I, I just, I don't have the answers to everything, but I know that you are right. This is not just a book for little kids. It's a picture book. So automatically, if it's pictures, it's for children. I edited this book. Again, Levi was one years old and we had to get the house exterminated. It's COVID. So everything shut down. There really was nowhere for us to go for four hours with the one-year-old. So I called one of my good friends. She lives around the corner. And she's an older woman as well. And I said, hey, can we come chill at your house for four hours? She said, come. So I was editing my final edit of this book in her backyard. And I said, can I read it to you? You're the first person outside of my family. And I read it to her. And she started to cry. And She said, I need this book. And she was, I think, 61 at the time she said, I, I need this book. I mean, great that it's going to be marketed for children, but I need a reminder that I'm perfect because I too forget. I too compare myself to be younger, to be fitter, to be this. And so, you know, I think it would be a book for everybody as a reminder.
1: Yeah. And then also I just, the redefining of the word perfect Because I like the way that you use the word perfect versus like what and how we use the word perfect. Like we might say like, wow, that person seems too perfect. (laughs) So, you know, like, and so I like it in the way that it's kind of you're redefining it as almost just like really unique.
0: Absolutely. And that is it. So it's time that we take that word back because, you know, in in the picking of the title, you know, everybody's like, oh, perfect. And so, you know, that's like a trigger word because we don't want some, someone to attain like, oh, perfection. But you are perfection. I can look at you right now, Rebecca, and be like, you are perfect. You are perfect. You don't need to change right. anything I'm about I so feel good for the weekend. But you, <laughs> are. But you are, though. What do you, you don't need to change anything about yourself. The things mm-hmm. that make you you are you. You weren't made to be me. I wasn't made to be you. We yeah, were made to be yeah. ourselves. And if we, if we could own that, if we could say I was truly made just to be myself, then we could acknowledge that we are perfect, perfectly ourselves. Yeah. There's a line in the book that Irie says, she doesn't like this. And the mom says to her, but I didn't make you to be like everyone else. I made you to be you. And mm-hmm. so we need to start holding ourselves up as the standard of perfection. So if we are our own standard of perfection, we will hit the mark every single time. Yeah, It really really is as simple as that, but we need to like retrain our thoughts on what that means and what we teach our children, what perfection means. I tell my my two, almost three-year-old, you are the best little two-year-old I have ever met in my life. I've met hundreds of two-year-olds, but you are the best one that I've met. You are the most perfect, best boy. I tell him all the time. And he fills himself up with that. Yes I am. I'm the best boy. What's wrong with me telling him that you are the best boy? And I hope his friend Nathan's mom is telling him that he is the best boy and that he is perfect. What happens if every one of our children think that they are the best? If yeah, they truly I, mm-hmm. believe, do you think they're going to bully when they go to school? They would have no reason to. They would have no reason to be filled with doubt or or dismissal or make themselves feel small. I've never heard of a bully that's happy, that's loved, that's secure, and then decides to bully. No, as adults, we know when we feel our best, we're able to give our best. So why not at a young age, fill them up with everything good. So then we can hopefully raise a generation of children that are kinder, that love themselves and are able to like love other people. We're at a crossroads right now because it's so much craziness going on in the world. You know, it just is, it's like overstimulation of negativity, and it is our job as parents to try to dismantle that and say, "Okay, how can I focus on you? You are perfect. You are every unique thing about you is perfect." Growing up, I had really big buck teeth. I wish someone would have told me, "But they're perfect." <laughs> a, a funny story. You you have the book, but if you look to the page where the planets are, I told my illustrator who was phenomenal Tamisha Anthony shout out to her. She's just a dream. I said, you got to make one of these buck tooth. (laughs) Like (laughs) I have to, (laughs) and she did. I said, I need braces. I need a, I need a, a snaggle tooth. I need, I need big teeth because growing up, like, you know, I felt like so not perfect. I felt the opposite of perfect. I felt like that I wasn't good enough because I had these big teeth and you know, kids can be cruel and i don't know how many times i got called a rabbit you know like so many things but if someone would have sat me down and said listen i picked those teeth i did because i thought that they were perfect maybe i have a different outlook on those teeth maybe when someone says that i could have been like yeah well my mom picked them and she thought they were perfect maybe i would have held my head high right who knows but my hope is that somebody does after reading this book yeah. And I just,
1: I love what you said just about the positive reinforcement. Cause you know, I work with um, children, adults with multiple disabilities, and I do find that they hear so much of what they can't do, of what their deficits are or what, what you know, things that they have trouble with. They don't hear enough of what they can do. Yeah. Cause sometimes when I'm like, oh, can't do this, can't do that. I'm like, but that doesn't mean anything. You know, like so when I, you know, when I work with kids and I'm like, I think you're pretty much like the most awesome person ever. And I really say that because I meet, you know, like I really, when I'm working with them, their whole, like your whole demeanor just changes mm-hmm. because I don't think we ever feel like we don't, we should, I don't think you could ever say that enough to people. Mm-hmm. And even, even adults, like I just think what you're talking about, just being kind. I mean, You know, I had a friend over yesterday at my house and I told her, I'm like, I was so excited to have you come over because it was like a gift to me because she was doing some like pictures and some photography. And I was like, and I I said to her, I'm like, it was, it's so special that you're here. It really made my day. And so for her, that was like, she's like, I was so thankful that you said that because people don't say enough of how, because I think it makes them a little bit vulnerable. In a way, when you put your feelings out there, and I guess because I'm like always putting my feelings out there because Mm -hmm. that's like part of my work is talking about feelings. um, I just have an easier time with it. But people, I I think there's some some times where people even like will tear up when I say something because they're like, I, you know, or or a lot of parents, I've never heard anyone say that about my child. Mm. I've never heard anyone feel like my child could do these things. And I'm like, really, you know, like it's, you know, so I think it's just like a really important, um, concept, regardless of what, it's like a ageless thing, like that we just have to, you know, treat, I agree, treat each other more with kindness. And if we feel good about ourselves, then that's gonna, that's gonna show
0: to other people. Um, a couple of things, speaking of people with what society considers right? It's really what society considers imperfect. We'll just use that word. If someone has deficits or limitations, it's society that says it's a limitation, right? It's Mm -hmm. like because our world isn't made for special people. The world is made for people that can walk, right? So then we have to put wheelchair ramps. We have to fight for the right of people that can't walk. That doesn't make them any less perfect. It just means they need a Mm -hmm. ramp. Mm -hmm. It is literally as simple as that. There are some, like you said, there are some people that can't um, contact their emotions. I, I have a very big feeling daughter. She's very sensitive, right? She is an empath. She's lovely. But growing up, you know, she would cry a lot. Her feelings would get hurt a lot. Friends would hurt her a lot. And I would say instead of being sad that you have all these feelings, be grateful that you can feel because there are some people that will never be able to feel and you get to feel all the feelings. So sometimes it's just a redirection of the way we look at things. The second thing is when I first started dating my husband, I would say, I just love you so much. I just love the way your hands look. I love the way your knees look. Like super small, granular things that I really like. And he said, you know, no one has ever told me these things. And I say, it's not a blessing if you don't say it. What use is it to live in my mind? If I don't say it, what's the point of thinking it? Like if something's so positive that I feel it in my heart, then I have to say it. And I think that that we need more of that. We there's a deficit for that. There's no reason why someone that has, you know, a limitation can't feel valued. Right? Like, uh-huh. and, and that's the thing. Everyone deserves to feel value. Everyone has a value. The patients that you deal with. Maybe the kindest people in the world, they should know that they're kind. They should know they have the brightest smile or the quickest brain or the best sense of humor. Doesn't mean, exactly. you know, like mm-hmm. why don't people share these things? I don't know. I mean, I don't think we're gonna figure that out on this podcast, but it's something for all of us to think about. Yeah, and I
1: like your comment about being grateful that you could feel all the feelings. Cause I think what happens with a lot of kids is that if they get upset or they, you know, they're expressing their feelings. Cause I was that kid. I used to, I, I was like very sensitive. <laughs> and so, you know, my mom would make me feel like that. She would never make me feel like that. I was like too sensitive. But I think what happens to kids is like when they're, sometimes they're turn off. If someone's like, oh, you're just too sensitive, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but I like the way that you talk about just being grateful They could feel all the feelings. Um, and that's, and that's true because not a lot of people can feel all the feelings. So, um yeah absolutely so i would love to get more into your collaboration with tamisha because you know in a picture book the illustrations real and the and the text just like come together as one story
0: so funny enough i searched long and hard for tamisha i was looking for like a very specific aesthetic right i wanted like ethereal and magical and lovely and tamisha had never illustrated a picture book. And so she wasn't like on the list of illustrators that publishers had worked with. Random House hadn't worked with her yet. And I was really determined to get the right person. And so Tamisha had just finished art school and I saw her portfolio and she had like a little girl in one of her portfolios. And I was like, this is my person. And it's really weird because the, the, author and the illustrator don't get on the phone. That's not generally how it Mm -hmm. works. It's like I write it. I give it to my editor. My editor sends me illustrators. I say which one I want. And then the editor and Random House kind of deals with the illustrator. We're kind of like separate. Mm -hmm. And so the first draft that I got back to Misha from Tamisha, I just remember crying. I was in Atlanta shooting Raising Dion and they sent me the first pictures. And I started crying because it was like she read my mind, yeah. like without ever speaking to me, without saying, what's your aesthetic? What are you thinking? She like read it and she just like drew all of that. Like she came up with that from what I had written, but it was exactly what I wanted. Like I, I, it, it was like astounding. And then every time I would get sketches, I'd be like, that's it. I have, that's it. Make a buck tooth, you know, like mm-hmm. I would have like little tiny comments about like, you know, maybe make her smile a little bigger here. But it was like so little. She like read my mind. It was the best working relationship that I could have ever hoped for. She She's just really, really talented. And right. You know, and that's how it should be, because I, I really think that,
1: you know, when you have like this, you know, and, and you did, you saw her work and you know it right away. When it's that right person, so it's like sometimes just like at this, because I've had that with the illustrators too, where you write something and then it's like they send you the illustrations and it's like yeah, that's yeah. exactly that's that's exactly what I was thinking. So that's amazing to have um, to have that kind of what well, relationship. I mean, you know, you yeah, weren't talking, but just her knowing what you know what you want, and I think that the the illustrations are just bright and they're, they're beautiful. And I think they just really bring the story to life. Thank you. Um, I mean, so the collaboration, I, mean, thank you. Like, I did it. I did
0: nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you
1: wrote you. the story and then yes, she, she, she made it into this like visual experience, I think. Um, She's for people so
0: talented. She just, you know, it's always amazing when you get someone new, right? I, my hope and prayer for her is that she just takes off and continues to soar. Because she's so professional. She's so lovely. Her art is just so precious and good and, and bold in a way. It's like bold and soft. Yeah, like, yeah, that's exactly means. that's how exactly how I would describe it too. It's like yeah, magical.
1: She, There's like something about it that's just very, like whimsical, some of whimsical,
0: it. Whimsical, yeah. My husband actually um, took the cover and blew it up and printed it. And so now if you walk into uh-huh. my living room, where my son's play area is, it's like a 18 by 18. Oh, that's amazing. And it's gorgeous. Oh, <laughs> oh my man. God, I love it so much. She's just amazing. I can't say. One other th- I'd like to note is that I picked her, right? I'm like, that's yeah. who I want. And then I put my hands up and I let her do her job. And yeah. I think that's so important. And it should be noted that as a writer, my editor had notes, but obviously my first draft to my last draft changed. It made, I made it more succinct for a child. Perfect. But she, my editor let me write it. She let me do it. She let me edit it. She would give me. And I did the same with Tamisha. Like when you, when you have this type of relationship, you can't micromanage it. You have to say, I trust that you are going to do your part. I have handed the baton, baton to you. I think that's important for anybody that wants to hire an illustrator that you trust who you hire and you let them do their best work in a, in a relaxed environment. And yeah. so that's just my note for anybody that wants to endeavor on doing this because she did her best work when she had room to create without me being like, well, I actually want fireworks over here. And I, I was thinking. Exactly.
1: This. No, I, I agree with you too on that because it's um, cause then it just feels like limitations for an artist. And then it's hard to create when you don't have a space to do it. Yep. and there also has to be trust in their relationship I and mean, you have to trust and be confident in their work and I think that's why choosing an illustrator is such an important thing yeah that you're getting the look that you want. Um, so so my last question was just about any future books because I, actually before before I ask you about that, I'm just curious, have you you know, like written before, like as far as like when you were younger, did you like to write or was that something you always did or it's just, you know, the
0: The pandemic, the first year of it was horrendous for everybody. It was just terrible, especially during lockdown. But because I couldn't go to work, acting was shut down. There was no, no productions going on. I had time to do things that I never had the opportunity to do before. And writing was one of them. I had wrote, I had a blog like 10 years ago called Ask Jazz. And I would just write about random stuff. It was a good outlet. And people would ask me a question and I would just answer the question, like how I would answer it. And it was a lot of fun. But beyond that, and this is before blogging was like, blog. Oh, I remember those days. I was, days. Know, <laughs> I like, I was yeah. just doing it for fun. I wasn't trying to monetize yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And so I had done that. And then in 2020, when the world kind of shut down, I had free time to like express myself. And so I wrote this book. I actually wrote a, a 42 page um, draft of a script for a television show. Like wow. I like started yeah. writing and I really, really loved it. And I haven't stopped writing since then. So I'm working on a second book right now.
1: Wow, that's exciting! Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. telling you, it is definitely one of those things that once you start, you don't, you don't want to stop. Yeah, and it's fulfilling.
0: Yeah. It's, it's fulfilling. very fulfilling.
1: It's yeah. I I totally I totally because <laughs> I always tell myself no more children's books. No, <laughs> no, but it's not But like, because I also like it's Just you know, because it takes so much time. Where I'm like, okay, but I know the the feeling the addiction of- to like. But well, I have to create. To say. It's, it's a, it's, it's like this, it's a very, cre- it's a really nice outlet. And you um, work with children all day though, right? You work with yeah, children. Yeah. And right. I use books all the time, like for, you know, for like for therapy. I mean, just like for language, for so many different literacy. I mean, there's so many different ways that we can use books. I've been um, using books. I've been doing my job for like over 20 years. So it's like, you know i've always used book books as like a way to kind of just even start conversations to work i mean so many different goals but but really what people love is they just like being
0: read to sometimes um, and you know what is the gaps i'll read a book i we read books constantly to to our two year old and sometimes i'm like eh. and that's yeah. the truth i'll uh-huh. read a book it's like eh. and i'm like what kind of book would i want to since i have to read the books what kind of book would i want to read to him and that's kind of like, what is motivating my next books? Like, okay, for a three-year-old, what kind, What would I want to hear as a three-year-old? What would interest me? What lesson would I like to teach? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's the same for you. You know what the gaps are. What, what would your patients like to hear? What's right.
1: helpful? Right.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And yeah, there's some books where I'm like, yeah, And there's other books where I'm like, I'm going to hug this book. Yep. <laughs> like, and then that's why I have a hard time getting rid of any books because- I have so many books and I'm like, no, we can't get ready. That's such a beautiful book. And it's, you know, so I totally, you know, totally understand. I'm really excited to hear about your, you know, any of your future books. That's great. And any of your other future, I mean, that's the thing with writing. I mean, there's so many different things that you could do. So that's really exciting.
0: And you have so many different creative outlets too. Listen. yeah. The hardest part is the blank page. But once you put some words on there, it just gets easier and easier, you know, and, yeah. and what I, my word of advice that no one asked me for is if you can come up with one idea, you can come up with another idea. Mm-hmm. And so for all the aspiring writers, even if you wrote a book and someone was like, eh, you know, right, because that could happen. Don't think that that was the only thing that you had. There's other, if you can come up with one, you can come come up with others. And so it it really is just getting started. And and I love the process. It's like, I feel like it all lives in my head. And when I write it down, it's like, okay, it's all there. I just got to get it out. It's a lot of fun. But it kind of goes back to your concept of
1: just having confidence about yourself. And like, just because somebody wrote something that was similar, it's not, your work is individual to you. Just exactly. because somebody, you know, you know what I mean? And I think it goes back to that is just having confidence in your own thoughts.
0: One hundred percent.
1: So I it's I don't know. I just I love your whole like overall positive vibe. Thank you just have you. a really nice warm, um, just like I, I love it. I, I it's very thank you, Rebecca. It's, I don't know, I makes me happy.
0: So thank you. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. And I, and I hope, I hope that whenever I have a second book, me and you can sit down and talk about that one too. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything you wanted to add before we finish up? I just want to say thank you for having me and highlighting my book. It really does mean a lot to me just because, um, this book is very important to me. It was written about my little Kennedy Irie. And so, um, You've read it and you liked it. So I just want to say thank you. It's
1: beautiful. (laughs) Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with me because anyone out there, it's out next week. And Most Perfect You, you could get on a variety of different places. But anyone who likes to
0: buy books knows, (laughs) let me say this. I've been waiting forever to say this. You can buy Most Perfect You wherever books are sold. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh And hopefully you'll do some in-person... I'm, okay. Listen, my publisher knows I want to do in person. I want to be able to sign a book, read a book, see little faces, see grown-up faces. I really do. You know, it's time for us to turn a corner and give some hugs again.
1: Exactly. I 100% agree. So, well, thank you so much. Thank you for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language Sharing Mealtime. Time.